0: Don't think that it's not okay to keep trying and keep experimenting. I think some people are like, well, I can't. I've done too many jumps. I've just got to stay put for five years. Five years is a really long time. You've we've got, we've got one chance of this life. If it's not working, and if it's not feeling good, then change it up. Every experience is super, super worthy.
1: This is the Happen to Your Career Podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that's unapologetically you, and then go get it. If you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Let's talk about what I like to call the ongoing experiment of your career. I'm going to guess that when you started your current role, you were super excited and maybe even landed that ideal role. But guess what? After a while, the honeymoon period starts to wear off. You eventually start to get that urge to change careers, maybe even to switch industries. And that's okay. We never have it all figured out. We never have all the answers. We are constantly evolving. We're constantly learning, changing, and discovering new interests, new preferences, new wants, new needs, new ideas. The experiment of it all Is being able to take the learnings and the data that you've gathered from your experiences and use that to figure out what you want in the next chapter of your career
0: it was a comfortable ride the salary was great the benefits were great it was a fun ride in lots of ways but ultimately it wasn't enough for me and i think if i had just stayed on there i would not have known any of these things
1: that's alistair marshall alistair worked in retail for 16 years before he decided to pivot his career and strike out on his own as a a career coach And a while into his coaching journey, he actually joined our team here at HTYC, and he was helping others find their ideal careers. Alistair began to feel the urge to return to his first career love, the world of corporate retail and leadership in that industry. And Alistair and I discussed how he put all of what he learned as a career coach, those coaching lessons into action and earned himself a new opportunity at A well-known fashion company. I'm really excited for you to hear from him, not only because he is a pretty amazing career coach who gives wonderful advice. He's a fantastic communicator, but more appropriately, because rarely do you get to hear how someone as talented as Alistair has taken what he knows and used it to pivot in his own career multiple times. So we get deep into really pretty actionable advice, and you can see much of the nitty-gritty. I want you to listen for that as Alistair shares the story for his latest career transition.
0: Essentially, I decided that I wanted to get back into a full-time corporate role, back into the retail industry, which I had done for you know, 15, 16 years prior to quitting the industry. And so I went out there into the world, applied for some jobs, did what I needed to do, took lots of the happen to your career best practices, got a job with Theory, um, US-based fashion brand, head of retail for the UK and Europe. So I'm about eight weeks in and yeah, so now I'm kind of back into it, but I've also been keeping some of my coaching clients, some of my other consulting jobs, obviously not as much as I was doing, but it was really important that I kept that going. So that's been an interesting balance over the last eight weeks, but now I'm at a situation where I'm like, okay, I've kind of got through those first eight weeks, getting some rhythm, got some early wins. The vibe is good they seem to like me so now i'm looking forward to the next sort of three months and figuring out how i can kind of balance all of this so that's sort of where i'm at right now but it's been good for sure and eye-opening in many ways
1: that is really cool i'm really happy for you and i know that what you have decided you wanted has evolved and i'm really interested in Mm. in starting there too because one of the things before we even hit the record button that you were telling me a bit about is this idea of the on, you know, what we just called the ongoing experiment, right? The ongoing experiment of your career, which is in your case, you had mentioned you're learning more about what you were missing at different points in Mm -hmm. time. And then also what might be the next iteration even, Mm -hmm. and that's an ongoing set of learning. So talk to me a little bit about how you're thinking about that. First of all, what did you discover or find out by stepping away from this leadership, executive type roles that you had been in for a pretty significant period of time, and then doing some of your own thing, working with our team as a coach, mm-hmm. and some of the other other things that you did along the way too. So, what did you what did you learn there that you were missing from the other environments?
0: Yeah. So when I left my last executive role with Hugo Boss, I knew that I needed to leave, and it was a very visible need to get out of that situation. Then I moved into building up my coaching practice and and getting qualified and certified and all those great things. And I think that three years was important to just kind of understand really what my values are, what's really important for me from a a place of empathy and compassion and fairness and being people-focused and enjoying seeing people grow and develop and being able to sort of, Fully focus on that. I, that was an important part of my corporate roles, but it was never like the job, right? Like I'm, I was always held to a sales goal, a KPI goal, metrics, profit and loss, and all that good stuff. Yeah. So over those three years, I really understood that I love that side of it, the, the people side. But I think what I also realized over the course of the three years, and obviously COVID was within that, so you know it's important to note that. But I don't think if it hadn't been, it would have made any difference because I was already working remotely. I definitely missed sense of community. I definitely missed collaborators. I definitely missed having a team of peers, having a boss, having a team that worked for me. I I missed being a leader. And I did miss the sort of adrenaline of running a business and having that KPI responsibility. I definitely missed that. And I think towards the end of my sort of three years, I was really gravitating towards the feeling of needing that. What Going to an office, being around a team, Developing my team building a business together and kind of sharing that vision and that culture and, you know, achieving together. And I think that was definitely missing from my self-employed chapter.
1: You know, I think what's really fascinating here for me, and please correct me if I'm getting this wrong, but it seems like had you not made either some of these changes or not been doing some of the extras like you mentioned you know the side hustles and things like that had had you not been engaged in doing things differently than what you were doing them in the past or just continuing to go with the status quo mm-hmm. it, it seems like none of these realizations would have happened or at least as soon 100%
0: i could have just stayed on the ride yeah so many people stay on the ride So many of my friends have stayed on the ride and I can just see the toll that that takes. And it's really difficult, right, to get off the ride. It was a comfortable ride. The salary was great. The benefits were great. It was a fun ride in lots of ways, but ultimately it wasn't enough for me. And I think if I had just stayed on there, I would not have known any of these things. Like the last three years have been so incredibly important to reconnecting with myself it was the situation i'd left that hugo boss job and like three months later someone was like oh it's nice to have you back you know you've, you've been a different person for the last 18 months right? i didn't realize that yeah. so being able to have that chapter have that journey and build up a whole different set of skills and experiences and connections and relationships you know i was in a very retail space for 15 years my friends work, worked in retail i knew what re- leadership in retail looked like i knew what career progression in retail looked like i didn't really have a wider scope on other industries and other organizations and other ways of being. And that alone is super interesting. And I wouldn't have had that. And I'm so grateful that I came off the ride, but I'm sort of back on the ride where I'm back in a similar role in a similar brand in a similar capacity, but feel in way more control of it, understand it, It doesn't define me in the same way that it used to. It's important to me, but it's not the most important thing to me. And being able to kind of see the job, the career, me as these separate entities. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think before it was just all this big blob. It was like, well, my job is me and I'm the job and the career is me and everything felt very connected. And now I'm able to extract myself and see the things as important, but not so entwined or entangled, which I think makes it, way more fun way less stressful and way more manageable
1: so that that is really fascinating to me and i think that the subtlety of what you just mentioned can i think we could lose that really easily but here's here's what i think i heard being able to separate out some of the different pieces like hey this is (laughs) this is my experience at work This is a part that I am really enjoying. This is a part that I am still missing in one way. Being able to separate all of these different things from other areas of your life is actually really helpful. Is that from an identity perspective or is that from another perspective too? What would you say is most helpful about that for you?
0: I think it's an identity perspective and I think, and then a lifestyle perspective. You know, I say this to a lot of clients. I ask them like, are you falling into Saturday or are you strolling into Saturday? And what I mean mm. by that is, is your week just so crazy and so out of 10 the whole time that by Friday you're still running, trying to get everything done, feeling super anxious, your to-do list is still long. And then Saturday's basically spent obsessing thinking feeling anxious about the week that was maybe you know you have a Sunday that's a little bit chilled and then you're back into it on Monday is that the life right are we on that hamster wheel or are you creating boundaries and space to be able to get to Friday and be like this is cool I'm going to wind down on Friday so by the time it's clocking off I'm just going to stroll into my weekend and feel really good about it. Mm. And I think for a long time, I was just like hurtling towards my weekend. And I'm not really willing to do that. You know, I'm not saying it's gonna uh, always be possible, but I don't want to do that. But I didn't even know I was doing that. right? I didn't even realize that was what mm. I was doing. And now I've got this foresight to be like, hold on. That's not what this is about. This, that's not what I'm signing up for here. I, um, I can be incredibly productive, achieve all my goals, show up as a a leader, be present, great communicator, all that good stuff, and still hold on to my identity and the balance that's important for me. Those things are possible. And also do some side hustle work on the side and figure out ways to make that happen. So that feels fulfilling. It is possible to do those things with a bit of intention and foresight. But you have to kind of go through it, in my experience, to be able to get to that
1: point. When you say you have to go through it to you know, get that, get that experience. Tell me a little bit about what you mean by that. I think that you
0: have to be able to extract yourself from it or be really honest with yourself that it's not working. Because I think that when you're in it, right, when you're in the madness of a career that isn't fulfilling you, that isn't ticking all the boxes, that ultimately isn't right. Mm-hmm. But it serves its purpose, whether it be financially, whether it's the status, the job title, location, whatever it is that is sort of on the OK pro list. When you actually are really honest with yourself and say, you know, this isn't working, this isn't right, I don't want to live like this, this doesn't feel healthy. Once you get to that point and then whether it's through working with a coach through family through peers through accountability whatever the process is for you and start exploring that that's when you can come of and be really honest but i think you've got to i hate to sort of use the analogy you've got to hit rock bottom because i don't want that to be what people have to do to get to that realization but if you can kind of see rock bottom and it's like, you know, in front of you and you can kind of stop yourself from getting to it. I don't feel healthy. I don't feel happy. My relationships aren't strong. I have no time. My weekends suck. If you can start looking at the triggers and the things that aren't working for you and identify that, I think that's sort of the going through it to be able to then understand how to come out the other side of it. That makes sense.
1: I I sort of like the analogy of hitting rock bottom for a couple of different reasons. One, I mean, I've, Some of the biggest and best changes in my life personally have come from hitting rock bottom. But Mm -hmm. I think the benefit of having hit rock bottom someplace is that you start to recognize what those signals and signs are that you're referring to. And then I don't think you actually have to like hit all the way to rock bottom before you recognize that, oh, hey, this is me tilting over the edge. And it's been this way for a few weeks now I can see these signals coming loud and clear that if I don't do something now, mm-hmm. as opposed to waiting a year or two years, then eventually it's going to end at rock bottom again. Yeah. And so I actually really like that analogy, especially when you're talking about how do you recognize the signals. So that, that it becomes my next question. And I'm going to sort of think about it for myself too, but mm-hmm. like, how do, how do you recognize some of those signals before just allowing it to go all the way and bottom, yeah. bottoming out?
0: You know. And I think, you know, a lot of us have things that our priorities are different, right? So whether it be, yeah. I'm, you know, I don't have any kids, but, you know, I have a lot of friends that would be I'm not spending time with my kids, right? I like to work out and feel healthy. I know when my genes are getting a bit tighter that I'm probably not eating well. And I know that that's a response to being unhappy because I'm an emotional eater. I don't smoke or drink or do drugs. It's food that I turn to, right? So I'm like, oh, that doesn't feel good. Oh, I haven't got a workout in for a couple of weeks. Oh, I've missed a couple of birthday parties or I'm turning up to things and I'm like half there, half not there. So it can be the things that you inherently know about yourself. I remember my friend saying to me, she was like, I love the theater. One of the best things about living in New York is Broadway. I'd go all the time. Yeah. And she was like, you know, I've really not heard you talk about that much recently. And I was like, how has haven't been for like a couple of months? because I just had no space, mental capacity for it. Mm. I didn't even realize. And one of the things that we do, we do. I'm still, I'm still a wee, but what happens to your career <laughs> does. I'll always be a You're wee. You're always a wee. I'm always, was a wee I'm always a wee. I'm always a wee. i always a wee. What we do is, you know, as part of the, the boot camp is we have our clients ask people to give them feedback on them, which is something yeah. that's really an odd thing often for people to kind of think like, really, I'm going to reach out to people and ask for feedback. It's not the most normal thing that you're asking your friends or family for. But actually that is a valuable thing just to know and to do, right? Like if you're feeling kind of odd, why don't you just email five people and just say, Hey, I really just want you to be honest. How am you experiencing me at the moment? How am I showing up for you? How do you think I'm, I'm doing at the moment? If you really don't want if you want it to be anonymous you could totally make that work google form or whatever because actually like the people around us are the people that know us and see the things that we ultimately don't see right it's that black that blind spot it's the yeah you know i did you did come for dinner but you kind of were a bit distant you weren't as your your normal funny self you didn't seem to really want to be there you left really early it's been a pattern of behavior that i've seen for a while and those things can be an interesting way of going oh okay because people might not come up to you naturally and say that, right? They might yeah. just be like, oh, you know, yeah. he's fine. Or I don't put more pressure on his his plate. But that, I think, is a really effective way of just getting a real snapshot in the moment of how you're being perceived and experienced. And that can be an interesting wake-up call, for sure.
1: Yeah, I, I love that. And I want to shift topics on you here for just yeah. a second. Because I I don't want to lose the opportunity to talk about How you made this most recent set of changes? Because I think that you did such a wonderful job, and I mean to be expected too. Like you've been you've been a career coach, (laughs) like you've helped a lot of people make big changes and everything. So it's not a surprise, right? But Mm -hmm. I think you did such a fantastic job walking the walk because it's easy to say, "Hey, I know all the things to do," and, and still not do them. But you. didn't you didn't do that you you know you 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 earned the opportunity to be able to get to this Mm -hmm. this latest iteration of your your career so tell me a little bit about what happened and Mm -hmm. how it transpired to go from hey i know i need to make a change here's what that might look like all the way to i've accepted this role with theory yeah
0: so i and i was intentional about wanting a job i honestly said to myself if I cannot make this happen (laughs) for myself, (laughs) then what am I doing as a career coach, right? Like it's time to like, yeah, the proof is in the pudding. So I was like, let's map this out. You know, the first thing that I really recognized, I was like, okay, there's a few things that are coming against me, right? I'm back in the UK, I've I've not worked in the UK for a decade, right? Some brands will think that's awesome. Some brands will not think that's awesome. And I was very honest and realistic about that. The second thing was, do I want to go into retail, which is what I've done before, or do I want to explore sort of more in-house corporate coaching L and D roles, right? So there were the two things I was very intentional about. And then again, what would some of the resistance to those two paths be? So I was very honest about what I was coming up against, right? And I think that was incredibly helpful because it made me be quite discerning about the directions and the brands and the companies that I was going to look at. So that was the first sort of port of call was like really kind of right. these are the two streams essentially that I'm going to explore. I then looked at my network, my existing network of essentially friends or colleagues or peers and sent you know a blanket note to a bunch of people basically saying, back in london i'm looking for this kind of work template one in retail blah 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 template two in coaching blah 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 and send it off to the appropriate people love to find some time and just connect and just catch up and you know maybe you can help me and refer me to anyone in your network so kind of i started that i then made a very robust list of the places that i wanted to work and i was really honest about the places that i don't want to work so i kind of pulled that together Then I moved into connecting with a bunch of people at those organizations on LinkedIn. So I chose, you know, someone in a senior sort of director VP in the kind of who would be essentially my boss, you know, and then someone that was maybe more of a peer connected with a bunch of people.
1: When you connected with those people, let me ask you about that for just a second. So first of all, what you're describing As I'm listening to this, it sounds very simple, but it's so strategic where you you started out by, let's first of all, define the organizations that I want and don't want. And then that way you can focus your time and energy uh, more towards the things that you want and those organizations that you want. But when you actually went to connect with people, I love how you identified those people, but why did you identify those people as question one? Mm -hmm. And then how did you go about connecting with them on LinkedIn?
0: So identified the people essentially based on their role and seniority. So it was, you know, for example, in, in retail companies, I would look for the you know, MD or CEO of the UK and Europe region. Right. A theory, for example, because it was New York based, I naturally knew people. I'd worked with people. So I would reach out to them directly because I'd worked with them in previous companies. Wasn't quite the same over here because I hadn't been in the business for so long. So do I know you? Is there someone that we know we have in common? Did we perhaps work at the same organization? Maybe not together, but just, you know, you were there, I was there. Or is the role something that I can like connect with? Like, oh, you've got a really interesting role. I'd love to find out more. I also always recommend include a talent or recruiter or HR person. The reason why I would never just connect with the talent, HR or recruitment person is they are getting connected with a lot. And they're probably getting a lot of people reach out to them, right? So their inbox is probably flooded. Whereas your sort of maybe VP of retail, VP of sales, VP of learning and development probably is getting connected with, but probably isn't getting connected with as much. So I think doing both, I think is just for me a rule of thumb and I always say that to my clients do both because actually it depends on the HR person right some of them will be very engaged in their LinkedIn and will see that lead and they'll jump in and they'll want to talk to you and and some won't so that was kind of the intention and then I would tailor my note to them based on that so I see that you used to work at Ted Baker back in the day me too not sure if our paths crossed or I love what your organization does. I'd love to find out more. The opening statement for all of it was, I've been in the US for 10 years. I've recently moved back. I'm super excited about rejoining the UK market, bringing a lot of my experience over from the US. Would love to find a time to kind of connect and learn more about what you've got going on and kind of what I'm looking for. Here's attached a copy of my resume you know, and cover letter. So that was the sort of general approach Um that i did and i had five interviews with different companies and yeah. all of those interviews were people that i connected with on linkedin and who applied hmm. the places i applied and connected and didn't hear back i never heard from them and i don't think that the companies were any different i just think the fact that i got a response just got me that face time
1: so you're saying that because you took the time and effort to connect in a completely different way and in a way that's relevant to them, like if we're breaking down like why why mm-hmm. that worked or why that was effective, first of all, I, just knowing you as a person. I know you're not going to send out anything that's not genuine so it's going to come off as genuine Mm -hmm. and that's that's an important thing i don't want to overlook the it sounds like the second reason that that worked though is you're going out of your way to have that connection in a different way beyond just the normal quote-unquote hiring or application process Mm -hmm. is that
0: that right absolutely i honestly would never recommend just applying for a job on linkedin and and just clicking apply Filling it in and attaching a resume. I just don't think it works. And I'm sure people are going to listen and be like, it works. I got a job that way. Cool. Good for you. But I know a lot of people that just apply. It goes into the ether and we never hear back. Rule of thumb: always connect with somebody. Ideally, two people. And just say, hey, I apply for the job on LinkedIn, super passionate about this company. I'm super passionate about this role. I'd love to get some FaceTime and explain more about myself. I've reattached my resume for your reference. Really hope you can find some time. Like 100% recommend that because like I got five interviews, you know, that's not bad. And they all responded. And actually all of them said, it was really nice that you sent that note. It just was helpful because you get a thousand applicants. And the thing of it is I've used LinkedIn as a recruiter. And you put it all in. You put all these requirements in what you're looking for, and it could just be I've chosen a couple of things that are my top ten. And the wording might not just be in your LinkedIn profile, and automatically you just get deleted and and, and taken out of it. Or there's a you know an intern or a junior HR person that's been told, hey, we've got a 500 resumes. Can you just go through and try and find the best 50? And they go, okay, maybe they know what they're looking for. And so you can just miss it for no real reason
1: other than just you slip Chance. through the net.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the reaching out and connecting is just like a nice little poke, a little nudge. Like, hi.
1: Well, here's the thing that I think a lot of people don't think about with connecting in a different way or for, like forming the beginnings of a relationship in one way or another is that after you do that, if that person then sends a message to HR what is effectively happening is now not necessarily, you know, not necessarily their boss, not necessarily, you know, talent acquisitions boss, but their customers that talent acquisition or HR or whoever's doing recruiting for that organization, recruiting Mm. and hiring for that organization is now getting a message from their direct customer saying, Hey, take a look at this one. This person sent me a, (laughs) a note. And what that translates to is, you know, pay attention to this one yes i'm your customer but here's what my opinion matters i mean they're not saying that maybe they're saying that i don't mm-hmm. know but like there's an extra it's not just a not just the nudge but also any type of communication that happens in the background separates you out from the four hundred thousand other people that yeah. have applied and honestly having done recruiting in the past it's so much easier to pay attention to what your customer wants or thinks that they want, as opposed to go through this gigantic stack it's mm-hmm. it's a pain, so then what okay. happened from there? so you you got these interviews mm-hmm. and you did so you at least influenced that process. you know mm-hmm. some of it is chance, some of it is luck, some of it is timing. But you, to some degree, engineered the opportunity for luck and timing to happen, at the very least. But then after, after you got these interviews, what, what occurred from there?
0: So the interviews were interesting. So there was a combination of ones that I'd been re- referred to by people that I knew, ones that I applied for. And some of them weren't always the best on paper. But I was like, have the conversation, because it may not be this job that I will end up getting. There could yeah. be conversations about other jobs that haven't even been to the point of being um, published yet. There could be people that are moving on in six months that they want some consideration for. So I changed my mindset and to be like, have the conversation, the brand's interesting, connect with that person. Cause that is a connection that you will therefore always have. So I definitely came at it with that kind of mindset. So I had interviews with some jobs that I was like, I'm probably not the best candidate for this, but like, I'm up for the conversation. It's, 30 minutes of my time. I had a, an interview with the person from Lego, for example. And by the end of it, I was like, I would love to work for Lego. This job is definitely not right for me. But we had a great conversation. At the end of that conversation, he was like, how are you feeling? I was like, you know what, Jasper? I don't think I'm the right person for this job. But I think you're awesome and Lego's awesome. And I'm really glad we connected. And I'd love to stay in touch. He's like, really glad that you said that. I think you're awesome too. Definitely not the right role for you. Too junior. But let's stay in contact. So that's great. So then you obviously send the follow up and, and, and so forth.
1: Can I ask you about that for just mm-hmm. a second? Cause I think so many people are afraid to have that type of conversation, maybe not even because of the conversation itself, but, but because it feels like they might be like giving people the wrong impression or losing a future opportunity. But I have found very much what you just said in that if you are, well, two things. One, a lot of the times you really don't understand fully what a role is until you go and you have additional feedback in conversation. Yeah. And sometimes that's interview format. Sometimes that's other ways, but a lot of times it's not actually clear up front. So you almost have to have that extra level of mm-hmm. effort in order to give it a good understanding. But then when you're there, if it's not a good fit, I found that being transparent and honest, like creates a better relationship at a minimum. But what have you found from having those types of conversations?
0: I agree. There's a few things I think it does. I think it demonstrates that you know who you are and what you want, which I think is really positive. I think it demonstrates that you have the confidence and the courage to be able to name that. If you don't say it on the phone in person and it's in an email you're losing this opportunity to truly connect with that person so really the other way that would have gone down i said thank you so much and i walk come off the phone being like that job's not for me i would probably my ego would still want them to want me for the job Mm -hmm. which is complicated and so then i'd probably get (laughs) That's a whole other thing so then i would get the potentially the email from jasper being like thank you so much we don't think you were fit and i'd be like thank you for your time the end we have just missed out on this massive opportunity Doing it in person. We had a conversation. He understood that. Totally will keep you in contact. If you see any roles that you like, reach back out to me. It wrapped it up and closed the loop in a way that is super, super helpful. By not saying it, you're not having that moment.
1: Yeah. So what indicated to you that theory and the opportunity that you ended up accepting with theory was really the right path for you right Mm -hmm. now. I know it's, it's all an ongoing experiment as we said earlier and like every part of it, and maybe eventually it's not right for you at some point. However, Mm -hmm. what, what gave you the indication and what, what had to occur for you to realize, yeah, this is in fact right for me right now.
0: Yeah. So going back to the initial plan. So my ideal career profile, again, something that we do on there was, sense of creativity, having autonomy, having freedom to create. I didn't want to just go and work for a Louis Vuitton, right, where they just give you a checklist and say, just do the checklist. We don't really want you to think outside the box. That's not what I was looking for. Nothing wrong with that, not what I was looking for. So that sense of creativity and ownership, I wanted something that was building and growing. So that was something that was super interesting for me. It's, it took me back to earlier parts of, of my career. I will really enjoy that. And I did want to work ideally for a US company because after 10 years I have a big life in America, lots of connections, I wanted to stay connected to that part of me. So then theory turned up and I was like, okay, the business is small, but growing. It's a US company. They're looking for someone to create and build. And so really early on in those initial conversations, it was very clear to me that that's what they were looking for and that's what they wanted. Mm. And I really understood that they wanted someone to come in and just own it. And build the team and build the processes so that felt really really good I then what i really liked about them is they were super interested what the most interested in my three years outside of retail than anyone else i spoke to they saw my three years as consulting as hugely beneficial they saw the work that i do diversity inclusion equity and belonging as super interesting they thought it was fantastic that i was an accredited coach they really early on were like we think this is awesome And a previous company I'd spoken to was really skeptical. Like, so what have you been doing for three years? And how do you think you'd get back into retail? Three years is a long time. And it was a very different energy. And that's why I walked away from that opportunity. Because if you don't see the value of the stuff I've been doing for three years and how I can be an effective leader for you, then we have a problem, right? Because I think those three years are super important. So Theory definitely demonstrated that. And another thing that I did, which we talk about, is can you share something back after an interview? Can you, rather than just sending the, thank you so much for your time, I really enjoyed connecting, can you add on to that? So I think it was the third interview when I was speaking to essentially my counterpart in America, the SVP of retail over there. We talked about a couple of initiatives and training programs that I'd built. So in the follow-up email, I connected a PDF of the thing that we talked about. And she responded. She's like, "This is great." That PDF then got in the hands of the next interview. So then I was like, "Oh, she's valuing it. That's really cool." Then we spoke about that. So it became this really cumulative experience at each stage. I had six interviews. It wasn't easy, but it felt like it was. They were talking to each other. And oh, when you spoke to so and so, they said this. I'd love to explore that. So the whole thing felt really cohesive. So there's lots of things that were getting checked from my original plan right through the process.
1: That is so cool. And you and I both know the amount of work and development and understanding and awareness that has to go in to be able to do some of those things, ranging from being able to actually have that conversation with LEGO saying, you know what, this is not right for me. There's a lot of work that has to go to be able to realize mid-conversation have the awareness of what is right and what isn't right. And then to be able to turn on a dime, uh, it's not just about recognizing it in the interview. It's about all the things that came before that. And then same thing as you were going through other pieces of the, of the interactions with theory to be able to recognize that, yes, this is checking a box for me. Yes, this is checking Mm -hmm. a box for me. Because so often, and, and you and I have both seen this many times over. If we haven't done that work, Everything sort of looks good, yeah like, or at least not bad, necessarily for the most right. part. It has to be really bad for us to recognize that it's not the right direction because you're emo- you get emotionally invested really, really quick. so kudos to you for doing the hard work and i I so appreciate you coming and sharing this candidly and taking the time to be able to not only share what transpired but share what you learned along the way too it It is so fun to see your latest iteration of what creates a great life and work for you that is that makes me happy quite honestly
0: and I just thank you for what you've created and the experiences that you gave me but also just the the push honestly I think you we spoke earlier about what was the thing that you know how do you kind of make that decision and I think you saw that and you held me accountable for what I wanted and gave me a little nudge that I needed and you know I thank you for that as well so yeah I appreciate it.
1: Many of the stories that you've heard on the podcast are from listeners that have decided that they wanted to take action and taken the first step of having a conversation with our team to try and figure out how we can help. And if you want to implement what you have heard and you want to completely change your life and your career, then let's figure out how we can help. So here's what I would suggest. Just open your phone right now and open your email app. And I'm going to give you my personal email address, Scott at com. Just email me and put conversation in the subject line. And then when you do that, I'll introduce you to the right person on our team. And you can have a conversation with us. We'll try and understand your goals and what you want to accomplish in your career, no matter where you're at. And we can figure out the very best way that we can help you and your situation. So open it up right now and send me an email with conversation in the subject line. Scott at HappenedYourCareer.com. Hey, I hope you loved this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And if this has been helpful, then please share this podcast with your friends, with your family, with your coworkers that badly need it. Here's a sneak peek into what we have coming up in store for you next week. Okay, obviously this is Scott. If you've listened to the HTYC podcast for more than one episode, you've probably figured out we do things a bit differently around here. So today, you're actually not going to be hearing from me. I'm taking off work for an entire month. Yes, an entire month. Let's back up here. How did did that happen? And it turns out that it's actually something that we as an organization have been working on for close to three years. And it started out with my wife and I wanted to be able to step away from H2IC for a month at a time and have it not be dependent on us. We felt that our message and what we're doing here, the work we're doing here is too important to be able to depend upon just me or just her. But we don't just want to do this for the two of us. We want every member of our team to be able to step away when they need to or when they want to. I want that level of flexibility for everyone on the Happen to Your Career team. So my wife, Alyssa, and my kids are actually currently out practicing what we, what we preach, what we teach, and we're combining this month off of work with a trip to Greece, which means that next week and the week after and the week after and the week after that the team is taking over the podcast. So I'm really excited for you to get to know them because they're pretty amazing and they do great work. So here you go. All that and plenty more next week, right here on Happen to Your Career. Make sure that you don't miss it. And if you haven't already, click subscribe on your podcast player so that you can download this podcast in your sleep and you get it automatically. Even the bonus episodes every single week, sometimes multiple times a week. Until next week, adios, I'm out!